Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Tonight I want to ask you if you'll turn to the book of Genesis. I want to talk to you tonight about uh, headlines. Uh, in the headlines this uh, week, there's been a lot of stuff going on in the world. A lot of things that have been happening uh, in the world related to the coronavirus, about the uncertainty of of life. We tend to we tend to live on the teetering edge of everything falling apart. I think the world likes to sit and watch and see if something's going to happen and then allow that one little thing, that one little disturbance to, to cause all kinds of trouble. One of the things that major newspapers have a problem with is that they like to focus on all the bad news. As a newspaper man, I tended to print a lot of good news about things going on in our communities. A lot of a lot of what I printed in the paper, a lot of times in the front page, was dealing with uh, this city council meeting, this uh, uh, committee meeting, this different uh, things that were going on in the community. And every once in a while, uh, we'd have actual crime in our county that we would put on the front page. And when we would put uh, a crime or people getting arrested, especially when we printed mugshots on the front page, those newspapers would sell out a whole lot faster than the newspapers that had uh, this team uh, going to the semifinals or the, uh, the... the basketball team from Pelham going and winning their game and basketball or football or whatever. Occasionally we would have uh, something like that on the front page and, and uh, it would, unless it was them winning the state championship or winning the region championship, it wouldn't really sell out that much. Uh, it would sell maybe as normal, but uh, it was a lot of times... If you printed too much of the story on the front page, I, I learned a lot. I didn't, I didn't go to school for journalism, but I learned that if you put the whole story on the front page above the fold, people sit there at the newsstand and read the story and not buy the paper. But if you printed half of the story on the front page, especially with, and have the pictures up to the top where they can see it real nice and big, uh, They'd buy the paper like it was going out of style because they wanted to get get the paper out and, and read it. And uh, a lot of times they wanted to find out why that person was on the, the front page uh, being arrested or whatever. Our world loves those dramatic, bad stories. It's just in our nature. Uh, uh, back during the... Uh, Dark Ages and in the Enlightenment and, and uh, Medieval Ages, uh, 
they didn't have newspapers like that that uh, told the, the news like that. Instead, people went to, uh, this is during the time, like during the time of William Shakespeare, people got, uh, they liked to go and see the tragedies. They liked to go see plays and they would, uh, people wouldn't come and see a play where everything's happy. You don't watch TV if you watch uh, serials or, or if you watch, uh, uh, even if you watch old westerns. Uh, my granddaddy used to love listening to old westerns on uh, cassette tape or, or on records. Uh, he used to love listening to uh, The Shadow. You remember the, the old uh, radio program, The Shadow? Well, if the shadow was nothing more than, uh, well, all the community got together and cleaned up the mess in the in the park, uh, the the uh, the the bank gave out loans to everybody that wanted one. Uh, the people over here at the school made all good grades and and everybody did so well. Well, that's all great news, and everybody says they want to see all that great news. But when you're listening to a drama on the radio or you're watching it on TV, you want to see something dramatic happen and then by the end you want everything to be okay but you are attracted to it because of the big turmoil uh, somebody's planted a bomb in the train or uh, uh, the guy with the long mustache that's twirling it uh, the, that's the banker is is taking the the landowner's daughter and tied her up and put her on the train track waiting for the train to come because she won't marry him so he can have all the property. You know, all those things are dramatic things. It's meant to build up drama and it's meant up to uh, it's meant to build up suspense so that you can have the payoff at the end where everything's okay and whew, the guy in the white hat came and t- just in time to get her off the train tracks and keep her from getting run over or uh, his his uh, his horse uh, leaned over so he could grab the stirrup and so that he could be pulled off of the edge of the cliff and he's safe now. Ah, oh, and you're happy and all that, but they they always throw in the the cliffhanger so that you'll come back and watch the next time. Well, we have that in regular. Uh, events that happen in the news. We have uh, newspapers that uh, print all kinds of dramatic stuff that happen uh, all throughout the world. And one region tends to be uh, that area of the world that that gets an awful lot of of newsprint and a lot of uh, uh, view because a lot of turmoil has happened, and that's the Middle East. Unfortunately, we've uh, been fighting a war in Afghanistan for over what ten years or more, maybe more, uh, longer, uh, huh? Eighteen years in Afghanistan. They just uh, came out saying that uh, a uh, peace negotiations been brokered between uh, the United States and Afghanistan, and and it looks like things are looking up in that area. The problem is, is that once you get things settled there, you've got Iraq and you've got uh, Syria and you've got uh, all kinds of other places over there that all have had these problems. And I want to talk to you tonight about where all those problems began. And it began in Genesis chapter 12, if you'll look there with me. Uh, tonight I'm going to do something that I typically don't do. I'm going to preach from three different chapters. They'll all be in Genesis. Normally I preach out of one area where one uh, set of Scripture is. 
And usually I'll read all of the Scripture that I'm going to preach from. Tonight I can't do that because I've got three chapters and I don't think you want to sit here and listen to me read three chapters out of the uh, the book of Genesis to you because then it'd be time to go home and you wouldn't have any time to hear what I have to say about it. So I'm going to take it upon uh, you to read all of uh, these chapters so you can get a context of where uh, I'm preaching from. And I'm going to point out some things that happen. Uh, This is... uh, This is a part of the Bible that's known as the uh, the books of the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy all relate to the law, and it relates to the law that God gave to uh, to uh, the people of Israel because of of the uh, God directing them and guiding them in the way that they should live. But uh, a good portion of Genesis. And uh, those, uh, some of those other uh, books of the Bible, but primarily in Genesis, it all featured in the history behind Israel and how it began and how Israel uh, began to be the nation that it is. And we're going to deal it, uh, up front with uh, a good portion of how Israel began to, to have that relationship with God. And it all stems back to a, a fellow by the name of Abraham. And we've Uh, I'm sure most everybody here knows who Abraham is. And Genesis chapter 12 begins the uh, relationship that God has with Abraham. Look at Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, Get thee out of the country from one of their kindred in thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be blessed, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed." So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. Now, this is Abraham's calling to be separate, uh, to separate himself from the rest of the world, or the rest of his kin people. And, and uh, this is the, the beginnings of God separating Abraham. And the rest of chapter 12 deals with uh, Abraham and Abraham finding himself in a strange place and finding himself in unusual circumstances. And this is where the problem that, that begins for the Middle East. Uh, it's, not, it's not as much in chapter 12 as it is in chapter 15, but we'll get there in just a minute. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. In chapter 12, it's all about Abraham being called of God to go into a land that, that he's never seen before and, go, and following after God. And, it's not, and when he says follow after God, it's not just simply uh, God coming up to Abraham and saying, uh, hey, why don't you come with me for a little bit? Um, what it means is, is is that Abraham or Abram was was a man who already worshipped God and did not worship the polytheistic, uh, have the polyistic attitude that so many other people in his time had. He worshipped God and God alone. And so God said, uh, came to Abram and said, I'm picking you 
to be my people and I want you to come and and it's the beginning of God establishing a intimate relationship with Abram and uh, forming a covenant and we've talked about what a covenant is uh, uh, before we've talked about how God desired to have a relationship with Abram and and to bless Abram and this uh, covenants were done uh, typically between two individuals and many times it can include uh, the descendants of, of, of the lesser of the individuals, but it's always between someone of higher standing and someone of lower standing. And the reason that there's a covenant is because uh, if I was to invite you to my home uh, during Abram's time and to have a great feast for you as a neighbor uh, or because of a birthday, a wedding or whatever, it would be incumbent in the society of that time for you to then turn around and invite me to a big feast to honor me. I've honored you by having a great feast and then you turn in turn come and, and uh, uh, invite me to a great feast in honor uh, of me. This is how culture and society work. It's very similar to uh, the way in which Abraham later buys a, a plot of land uh, and he wants to buy that plot of land to, to bury Sarah at the end of her life and she's passed away and he, he's looking for a place to bury her. But they have no homeland. So he goes and he uh, uh, goes to an area where he wants to buy a cave to, in order to serve as a, a place to bury uh, Sarah. And he goes to the man and he, uh, he goes and has a feast with those individuals. And in front of everybody, he, he negotiates for the land. And he says, I want to have this plot of land. Tell me how much you want for it and I'll pay you for it. And the culture is for that man to say, oh, what is money between us? Uh, you have the land. And, and Abraham knows and understands as part of the culture that he's not giving the land to him. This is his way of graciously accepting the offer and, and opening. It's the bid, the dance that goes back and forth. And that's part of the culture. He, he says, don't, don't worry about it. You have it. Uh, I'll be honored for you to have it. Abraham says, no, I want to uh, pay for it. Uh, how about uh, here I'm going to give you this 30 pieces of silver or 70 pieces of silver, however much it was. And the guy says, oh, no, I can't possibly take that. You take it and do with it as you will. And uh, I'm giving it to you. And Abraham says, no, I want to pay for it. Here's the money for it. And, here, and, and the guy says, uh, well, let everybody here be a witness. This is the dance that goes back and forth. This is the negotiation. It's part of the culture. Part of the culture is, is if I do something for you, you do something for me. It's how people survived in that time. A covenant is between two individuals where... Uh, the greater one, the king, the noble, the uh, uh, the um, uh, man of great wealth will come to the person of lesser uh, standing and do something for him, make a covenant in which the person of lesser standing does not have to do anything to deserve it or do anything in order to have that covenant. But a lot of times a covenant will be tied to certain conditions. Uh, as long as you stay here, you, I'm giving you this land. 
and it's not expected for you to do anything for me to give you this land, and uh, this is our covenant between us. It's usually as a result of, of some kind of actions taken by the lesser person for the person of nobility or the, of a king, uh, someone, uh, but someone that... Uh, that it's being done for has no way of repaying the nobleman, the king, or anyone else. And that's what a covenant is. And so God comes to Abram and He says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make you a great and mighty nation. And here's God doing all this for Abram. And He says, I'm going to give you uh, a great land and it's going to be your uh, a covenant land and there will be a covenant between us, to, between you and me, and this will be our relationship between each other and we'll have this covenant and uh, you will uh, be my people and I'll be your God. Now, God is able to do this for Abraham, or for Abram. It's Abram at this time, not Abraham. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But he's able to do that because God is God and he's able to do anything. But Abram is not able to do anything for God other than to live under the conditions of the covenant, which is to worship God, to be uh, separate and set apart to God. And what happens here is, is that. Abram enters into this covenant relationship with God when he is called away from his people and to follow after God. And so Abram leaves and he's following after God, but he's not fully convinced that uh, he's not fully committed to God because Abram has difficulty. As God leads Abram away from where he lives there in Haran, he finds him in an unusual circumstance in that he's in an area, he's in a place where he's not familiar. And um, so because he's not... Now, God's already said, I want, I want you to follow after me. I want you to, be, uh, to go to a place that I'm going to show you. And he's saying, I'll, in essence, I want you to follow me and trust in me. But before we even get to the end of chapter 12, Abram has has done something to demonstrate he doesn't trust in God. You might say, well, I don't see anything in there. Towards the end of chapter 12, uh, Abram and Sarah are entering into a land where they are not familiar. And as they enter into that land, is they're going into Egypt, verse 11. And, and as it came to pass when he uh, was come near unto Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, that thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for, my, uh, for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. Is he trusting in God? No, he's trusting in Sarah. He's trusting that Sarah will say, uh, uh, will tell a half-truth. Now, Sarah is his sister. He's his, uh, their half, their step uh, relations. Um, they're not full-blooded brother and sister, but they're husband and wife. And he's wanting her to tell this half-truth in order to save his life. Who is he supposed to be following? 
He's not following Sarah. He's following God. God's led him into this, into this situation. God's led him to this new land. There's a famine there that's come and uh, they have to go into Egypt in order to survive. And he's saying to Sarah, I know that people are going to see you and they're going to be stricken with you and they're going to say, I'm going to kill uh, Abram uh, so that, I, that we can have Sarah as a wife. And he's saying, please say that you're my sister so that... Now, here's part of the culture. When uh, you ha- are the older uh, sibling, uh, the male, uh, if you're not able to be with a, uh, your father, your older brother or the oldest male is, is seen as the person that is uh, the go-between between others and, and uh, a female. So he's, he's saying, in essence, say that I'm your brother and then people will treat me with respect because why? They're courting you. And, they'll, and what, this is exactly what happens. Uh, in fact, Pharaoh sees uh, Sarah and, and takes her and, and uh, puts her in his harem and he lavishes upon Abram all kinds of wealth. Why? Because he's currying favor with Abram for Sarah. And so he's depending on Sarah and the favor that he can receive by people believing that she is uh, his, her, uh, his sister rather than trusting in God. So this is the sin. And this is really the beginning of the conflict in the Middle East. You might say, well, how can that be? Well, it's the beginning. See, we have a tendency to believe when we hear temptation in our uh, mind and in our heart as we go through life, we tend to uh, have uh, Satan tell us, you know, look, nobody's going to know. Doesn't matter what it is. You fill in the blank of whatever temptation it is that that you might have issue with, or whether you have problems with, or whatever your uh, the the sinful situation that you face from time to time. Satan typically will say, "Well, don't worry, nobody's going to know." You might be somebody that has difficulty with uh, cheating on uh, your taxes. Uh, as people get ready to do their taxes right now. Oh, nobody's ever going to know. You Look at how little that you make. And, and we're talking about uh, such a, a small amount. Don't worry about it. Uh, change, fudge the numbers a little bit and you'll get a bigger tax return. Don't worry about it. Nobody will ever know. Or uh, you are in the parking lot and you find uh, a wad of cash uh, that's in the parking lot and you pick it up and you see right away some people that it could have been their money that they accidentally uh, thought they were putting it in their pocket but it missed their pocket and fell out or they were reaching in to get the keys and the money came out of their pocket and you know you need to speak up and say something to somebody to see if it's their money but you, uh, that little voice says, don't worry about it. Nobody will ever know. You just, just put it in your pocket real quick. Nobody will know. Besides, who are you to, to know whose money this is? Or maybe uh, um, you're driving down the road and it's 3 o'clock in the morning 
and you're tired and you're just trying to get home and you're coming through an area and there's nobody on the road and uh, you're tempted to to go on through uh, uh, the area at a faster speed than you should. You go speed through this area. You're trying to get home or you're in a hurry. Well, don't worry. Nobody will know. You're out here all by yourself in the middle of the night. Who, who could possibly be on the road anyway? Don't worry about that stop sign. Just keep go on through. That is the temptation always. Nobody will know. Nobody will hear. Nobody will be aware of it. And it won't mean anything to anybody else. Here Abraham, Abram is, is tempted to rely on this little lie and nobody will know. Nobody will take notice. But it's really the beginning of all the problems that he has uh, in his life with trusting in God that begins the conflict that's in the Middle East. You might say, well, my goodness, my sin could cause conflict in the Middle East or a world, you know, worldwide issue with, with war and all that kind of thing. Well, for Abraham it does. Turn over to chapter 15 for a minute. We'll see how that can be. Abram has had a problem with this, and he's found out. And Pharaoh sends him on his way, and and Abram has made a wealthy man. This happens a couple of times, and he, Abram does does it uh, again and again. God doesn't punish him for it. He's not held responsible for, uh, by the, the men of great wealth that uh, take Sarah in. Uh, and uh, she's not compromised in any of the situations. And each time, Abram is built up in wealth more and more. He, he gets more and more wealth. Now Abraham in chapter 15 is an established uh, man of great wealth. And it says, after these things, verse, uh, chapter 15, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. Uh, by the way, when you have an issue with sin, God will always remind you. The Holy Spirit will consistently come to you if you are a Christian at all. The Holy Spirit will come and say, "Hey, by the way, have you dealt with this sin? Are you uh, you know you need you've got something you need to get it, get right with God? Hey, you need to, to take care of this issue. You need to you need to uh, you need to come to God and, and repent of this sin. You need to get right with God. Here here's God, and he's he's needling uh, Abram about his situation. He says, "Hey, uh, I'm the Lord your God, and I I'm thy shield." an exceedingly great reward. God is saying to Abram, hey, you can't be kept safe by trusting in uh, the deception that you have with, with Sarah. You can't trust in that. You can't trust in the fact that you're, you're getting great, gaining wealth because of your deception with Sarah. I'm your shield. I'm your great reward. And Abraham said, Lord, God... What wilt thou give me, seeing I have uh, go childless, and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, 
Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. Now, Abram is still in a, in a covenant relationship with God. God has still told Abram a couple of He's told Abram a couple of times, I'm making this covenant with you. I'm going to make you a great mighty nation. I'm going to give you great wealth. I'm going to give you a, a great land. And Abram's finally coming down to brass taxes with God and he's saying, God, you know, I still have no descendant. I have no child. Uh, the only descendant I have is Eliezer, and he's my hired man, and all my wealth will go to him because I have no heir. This is, again, something that only God can do for Abram, that Abram can't do for himself. And so God says, here I'm going to formalize our covenant relationship with you, but you've got to trust me. I'm going to give you a child of your own. And God does the covenant uh, um, ceremony with Abram and he, he takes all these different animals and he has Abram split the animals in two. By the way, this is not just uh, what happens between God and Abram, but any time in that culture a covenant was, was made, this was typical of what would happen. They'd take different animals like an ox and they'd take a sheep and they'd take... Uh, other animals and they'd split them in two separate them and the two individuals would walk from either end of the of the row of of animals and meet in the middle and the implication is is if i don't live up to this covenant may this happen what has happened to these animals may this happen to me if i don't live up to the covenant relationship that i've established with you so abram enters the the slaughtered animals on one end a censer of smoke enters from the other end and, and God and Abram come together and God says, hey, by the way, I'm going to give you a son, a child. Don't worry about it. And you know and understand and remember the story. Abram is not able to, to conceive with Sarah and they continue to wait. At this point, Abram and Sarah are getting quite old. And... So God says to Abram, I'm going to give you a son. Don't worry about it. And God makes this covenant with Abram. And then God comes and visits Abram and Sarah again and says, don't worry, I'm going to give you a son. And Abram and Sarah are so old that they say, well, maybe God is intending for us to have a child through uh, my handmaid. Now, this was a common practice in uh, child with childless couples that if you had a slave and you had a child with that slave, uh, you would claim that child as your own, and that would be your descendant. And so that's what they did with Hagar, uh, Sarah's uh, slave or handmaid. Um, and so they have uh, Ishmael and. Uh, God comes back to Abram and says, hey, this is not what I intended for you. You're going to have a child of your own. And, and they're getting well up in age by that point. And he says, by this time next year, you'll have a child. And, and uh, it's so ridiculous at this point that Sarah laughs and says, hey, that's not, impo- that's not possible. But guess what? God's a God of impossibilities, right? And so, uh, again... <clears throat> This is a demonstration of Abram's not Abram not trusting in God. He 
gets out in front of God and, and he says, you know, I, I, I can't wait on God to do what he says he's going to do. I, I, I'm going to do what I think is right because that's what God is telling me. But that's not what God was telling me. God said, I'm going to give you and Sarah a child, not just a child. Um, and so in today's terms, if God came to uh, to me and Robin and said, we're going to give you a child, I'm going to, God, God says, I'm going to give you a child, and I looked at God and, and said, I don't know about that, God. We're getting up there in age a little bit. And Robin's not too old, but I'm getting uh, too old. And uh, uh, then we say, well, maybe we'll uh, adopt a child and, and uh, we'll make that child ours. That's kind of what Abram and Sarah are doing with Hagar and Ishmael. Uh, they're, uh, Hagar and Ishmael are uh, what they feel like is God's plan for them, and that's not what God said. God said, no, I'm going to give you and Sarah a child. So this is the beginning of the turmoil in, in the Middle East. This, uh, whenever we uh, try and do what we think is right rather than doing what God has for us, we are uh, not trusting in God, we're not believing in God, and this is, is the, the beginning of turmoil. Difficulties, the beginning of troubles. God's uh, God says, "No, I'm going to give you a child." Uh, turn now over to Genesis chapter 22, and I hope that you'll read through these chapters uh, on your own. Genesis chapter 22 says, "And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham." Now it's Abraham instead of Abram, and the reason it's Abraham is whenever. It, there's a, a formal covenant. Many times the individual will take on part of the name of the individual that he has a covenant with. And uh, so Abram becomes Abraham, Sarai becomes Sarah, and they have uh, adopted a portion of uh, the name of God into their name uh, and in order to signify this covenant with God. And it changes the meaning of their name as well and uh, makes it more appropriate in terms of, of who they are. Um, but we all know them as Abraham and Sarah because of the addition of a portion of God's name being added to their name because of this covenant. Abraham and Sarah have had the child Ish, uh, uh, Ishmael, but that wasn't what God intended for them. Now they have uh, Isaac. Isaac is uh, their child, and he is just a little boy. He's maybe 13, 15 years old at this point, chapter 22. God says to Abraham, uh, Hey, I want you to take your son, and I want you to go and sacrifice him on the mountain, and I'm going to show you. Now, this is a temptation for Abraham. Why? Why is it a temptation? Because... Abraham has an issue of trusting in God, of trusting God to provide. He got out ahead of, a, uh, of God because he didn't think that God was going to provide a son between him and Sarah, and he had a child in Ishmael. Um, this was the beginning of all the conflict in, in the Middle East with all the descendants of, 
of uh, Ishmael, uh, they, uh, all the ites that the, pro, that the Israelites have problems with when they're coming back through uh, in Exodus, the book of Exodus, the Amorites, the uh, Midianites, and all these, all these ite, uh, people that have ite at the end of their name are, uh, that they have issues with are all descendants of Ishmael. And uh, there are different branches of the uh, uh, people that come from Ishmael. Now, are they relatives of the Israelites? Yeah, they're they're uh, they're uh, distant relatives because they share a heritage in Abraham, but they have issue with them. And and God said that there'll always be enmity between uh, the Israelites and the uh, Ishmaelites. Um, and it, it all stems from from that sin of of Abraham not trusting in God. Now God is saying to Abraham, "Go and take your son up to the mountain." How is this a temptation? He's saying, "Look, you trust me. You trust me to uh, to give you a child and to make you a great and mighty nation. And this child is coming from uh, from uh, you and Sarah, not just any child." This is a, a blessed child. This is a child of great blessing. And, and God's saying, I want you to take him and, and I want you to sacrifice him. This is God asking Abraham, do you trust me? Do you, uh, are you going to try and, and, and throw a curve in there so that you still have a child and, and you do what I'm saying? Or are you going to actually follow my direction and do what I say? And so what we see here is the famous section of, of Scripture uh, between Abraham and Isaac in which he takes him up on uh, the top of the mountain and he builds an altar and he uh, ties up uh, Isaac and he puts him on the, uh, the altar and he begins to prepare to, to slaughter Isaac in order to offer him up as a sacrifice to God. This clearly shows that Abraham is no longer has an issue with, uh, with trusting in God. He's willing to slaughter Isaac in order to follow the direction of God. Now, God didn't intend for Abraham to, to kill Isaac all along. He was tempting Isaac to see if he would trust in him. But this is a long way from Abram at the very beginning in which he was doing everything he could to follow after God, but also to trust in things he could do on his own. And so what we see is that uh, problems in our life are caused when we do not trust in God. All, all the, the, your life might not start a conflict that will result in wars that last for uh, generations and generations, hundreds of years, uh, or uh, cause people from a whole nation to go from one place in the world to another in order to have a war. But uh, our sin does cause war with God. It causes enmity with, uh, between us and God. Uh, we read that in the New Testament, which... Uh, uh, mankind has enmity with God because of our sin in our life. And when we don't trust in God, when we, uh, when we do things that are contrary to God's desire for our life, when we don't allow God to be the Lord of our life, it is as sinful as 
anything else in our life. We need to trust in God. We need to rely on God. We need to allow God to have uh, lordship and dominion of our life. When we, uh, look, uh, when we cheat, lie, and steal, a lot of times it's because we think that we aren't going to have what we need to have. That's all a trust issue. Do we trust in God to, to, uh, to provide all that we need? Yes, then you don't have a need to lie, cheat, and steal in order to get more uh, things, to get things that you feel like you need to have in your life. What we need to do is trust in God and rely upon Him. Uh, you have a problem with tithing in your life? Uh, maybe it's because you don't trust enough in God. There's a lot of things that we do uh, in our life that's contrary to God's desire for us and sin in our life uh, simply because we don't trust in God. Uh, a lot of the com- all the conflict in the Middle East today is a result of Abram not trusting in God. And but we see by chapter 22 that he finally trusts in God and believes in God that God will provide. And uh, it says over in Hebrews that God uh, that it counts Abraham as one of the people of great faith that's in the faith hall of fame because he finally learned to trust in God, finally learned to uh, believe in God. Uh, all that other stuff that Abraham did throughout his life is not focused upon as much as his having faith in God, trusting in God. By the time it gets to the point where he's offering Isaac up as a sacrifice, that is where he shines because he trusts in God and believes that God will will deliver his son. Many scholars believe that Abraham believed that either God would uh, uh, spare Isaac or that God would uh, raise Isaac from the dead or that God would provide another son that uh, with he and Sarah uh, in order to fulfill the covenant. But he trusts in God to fulfill the covenant. And so he's willing to do whatever God calls him to do in order to show that he trusts in God, that he follows after God and does what God desires of him to do. But beyond all of that, he has faith that God uh, will deliver. And so that is uh, evidence of the fact that Abraham has grown and is trusting and believing in God. And so what we need to do in our life is to trust in God, believe in Him, always follow after Him and not allow... Uh, and remember that our sin, uh, though we might think it's a small matter, it might not be a, a big deal, it, uh, we don't see it from the perspective of uh, beyond and in the future. We can look back on Abraham's life and see the whole scope of his life and see how he has grown in his faith and see where his mistakes created problems. But we don't have that advantage in our own life. We can't see how uh, our lack of faith in our life keeps us from doing the things that God wants for us. Maybe your lack of faith and your uh, uh, lack of trusting in God keeps you from going out and witnessing to somebody that God intended for you to go and share the gospel with. Maybe it keeps you from uh, uh, doing the things, uh, being the, the person He wants you to be in your life to, to bless your life and to bless others. Uh, there's so much that we miss because of sin in our life and how we allow 
uh, sin to control our life. We need to learn to trust in God, have faith in Him, believe that God can do great and wonderful things in our life by simply following His instruction in our life and being sure that we do exactly what God wants for us. And uh, we can maybe avoid some of the problems and mistakes and the issues in our life that we create when we sin against God. Um, So... Uh, uh, let's join together for prayer and ask God to help us in our life to avoid the sin, avoid uh, doing things, making mistakes because we lack trust in Him, lack in following after His will and and desire for our life.